From Calvary Church of Santa Ana, this is the Calvary Life Podcast, the show where we share stories, laugh together, and have discussions about faith, life, and God with people from Calvary Church. Here are your hosts, Eric and Matt. All right, welcome to the Calvary Life Podcast. We are here. My name is Eric Wakeling with Matt Doan and Mary Jane Edwards is our guest. How Hello. are you? Today is, today's value is we value Mary Jane. Aww. Yes. Aww. Yes. <laughs> yeah, she's a guest with us, but no stranger to Calvary as you've been pouring your life into our kids for, gosh, over a decade now. Yeah, that's, that's right. Wait, let's stop. Stop that. Let's not get serious. Okay, so because <laughs> <laughs> we were just talking, I hit record really fast because I want us to start because we were reading a listener email from Danny Bonilla as he okay. had been listening to or he'd been hearing us talking about first of all clothes we wear in yeah, church. Danny, you have a busy life in Hollywood. He he works in Hollywood, <laughs> he and that he would listen to our podcast. I'm really honored. That means we have two listeners now. Yeah, at least amazing. Yeah, we've got we've got emails from a few different people, which is pretty incredible. But at least two. But uh, but yeah, Danny working in Hollywood, so he knows about looks, right? He understands oh, no. the wait wait where's external the appearance. Okay, and he, we were talking about what kind of clothes you wore, and then Danny said, "I vote for no tuck in shirt policy when you aren't in a suit." So at church, so we were talking about us preaching, like us on stage when we're on stage, that kind of thing. So he thinks that we should not tuck in our shirt. And then Mary Jane was (laughs) commenting about, why don't you kind of just kind of fill people in here? Yeah. So this last Sunday I saw Matt Doan looking very dapper in a nice sport coat and a flannel. (laughs) This is not going how I thought it would start. Okay. Everything was well. And I thought, you know. What's the one trend right now is wearing hoodies with sport coats. Yes. So I thought you could maybe step it up a little bit. Maybe Thank next you. Sunday. Yeah. Wait, were you wearing a flannel underneath your coat or just a just a plaid shirt? Like oh. when she said flannel, that sounds strong to me. No, no. It oh, could have been a plaid shirt. Yeah. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I mean, have, I guess I it was, think. I guess Don was so, alive, so it was a, don- a plaid shirt. It's kind of like every day. <laughs> it's true. I'm wearing a plaid shirt actually right now, aren't I? He's wearing a plaid shirt. This is how my thinking normally goes for Sunday dress, uh-huh. um, is uh, I wake up, Marie's still asleep, so I don't try to turn the lights on, so I dig through the closet while the, it's dark, and I'm kind of feeling for a shirt <laughs> in there. I don't know, man. Like, I... Right now, it's like a Monday. We just all we did was like hang out around here all day, and yet you've got this like sweater with a button up, like collar sticking out of the sweater. It just seems he's like he's wearing jeans. He's not completely dressy. <laughs> I, I'm sure this is riveting for all of our listeners. <laughs> it is. The thing is, that you people guys should don't, post a picture. Yeah, that's, that's what you're true. Really need to do. The people are just on. They call this good radio. Right? I'm just really upset with Matt right now. Yeah, I'm that's true. Some stuff. That's true. We're so trying to do we some reconciliation. So, Mary Jane. Yeah, let's get into Mary Jane. Yeah, let's tell your story, but just real quick. So, Eric announced yesterday that we are playing each other in fantasy football. Fantasy football is like this make believe kind of. You pick real NFL players, and then you kind of track their stats, and then you play against. Right. So Eric and I are in this really crucial game and Eric has one more player. He was going to beat me tonight with the L.A. Ram player on Monday night. And then the guy just got covid about an hour ago. And so not making light of covid serious, but Eric's really upset. His one player that he was going to beat me with now is not playing tonight. And so I won. I won. Well, we'll see. You know, I picked up some rando that might get me some points. All right. It's possible. We'll update you guys next so week. So pray for there. Pastor Eric and Pastor Matt. Yes, yeah. our friendship. About. Our friendship. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You have to pray for us because just pray for our friendship because by the time this gets published, it'll be over. No, I don't know how exactly how prayer works, but maybe it can go like back in time. <laughs> if they pray on Wednesday, would it work for Monday? I think so. I think God hears us. I think He's outside of time. All right, Mary Jane. Yes, sir. 
So you're awesome. You've been putting in such good work here. Appreciate you. You You started when here at Calvary? I started on staff in March of 2008. Wow. How old were you? say that you can't ask people like I don't know there's like a rule too especially about like women you can't ask them how old they but are she's not old so you can she's ask not her this old, but I do feel like that's I'm, like unacceptable I'm a stone's throw from 40 oh. now when, when do you turn 40 next month oh <gasps> Mary Jane next month yeah wow yeah. that's exciting big what are you gonna nice. do nice Probably come to work. I don't know what I'll do. Have a nice dinner with your family. Probably. Yes. Yeah. I'm sure. Go. We'll celebrate somehow. 40 is the new 30. So, sure. Um, but yeah, so when you, you started here. 50? Because I'm almost there. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. So you started here how many years ago? Almost 13, 14. Wow. Something yeah, we're going to go ahead and carry the one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think I think it'll be yeah. 14 years. Yeah. That's, isn't that crazy to say that? It You've is. been in full-time ministry. So you started full-time. Were you an intern to begin with? I was never an intern. Uh-huh. Yeah. I, I was here as a volunteer. And then when I applied for a staff position, I was half-time helping Tammy Stewart in yeah, the preschool ministry. Tammy. Yes. Yeah, we miss her. She's a great mentor. And then the other half, I was working with the children's leads, helping mm-hmm. to just develop the team and work with the school and put on events. So what was your first first thought when at that point, was it Matt or Jerry and Tammy came to you and said, we want to hire you or you interview you? What was your first thought about working at a church? Honestly? Yes. <laughs> I thought there was no way you could afford me. Like, honestly, bling, bling. I was working at a law firm. I was doing Whoa. fine. Which was basically true, right? You just had to accept whatever it was, though. <laughs> Like we couldn't afford you, but you just accepted that we couldn't. Yes. Yeah. Well, and I I shared it, I think the last time I was on the podcast that it was Davis who asked the question, what are you willing to sacrifice to go into service full time? Mm -hmm. And sitting with that question with my husband and uh, eventually, yeah, we Mm -hmm. just decided to to jump in. And I can't imagine all the steps that have happened since. All right. So you've like this, this month of December at Calvary here has kind of been like a little bit of, you know tell Mary Jane's story. You were in a newspaper. Yes. That we published like ourselves as like a, Still, I, I like wasn't a in like the promotional material, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that was cool. So it was a really like, it was just, it was a cool little way to kind of give people a glimpse, but that you could probably read that story in about a minute or less or something. And yeah. so it was a short glimpse. And then, uh, we had you on state or, or actually no, it was a video in the service sharing a little bit more of your story, but we thought, Hey, today let's have you be able to just kind of even share a little bit more because like you've been on the podcast before, if people want to scroll back, you know, to wherever, like it says the last time we interviewed MJ, like we did tell a lot, you did tell a lot of your story, but it wasn't complete. And I mean, I know it's not ever complete yeah. at some level, but uh, there's just been some more, you know, some more, more chapters, some more added. chapters yeah. added. Yeah, exactly. For sure. Yeah, exactly. And so kind of take us back, like take us back to like when you were young, what was just like following Jesus like for you? Like, well, how did you come to know the Lord or how did you even or were you, you know what I mean? Like what what was life like maybe when you were like a teenager? Yeah. In Huntington um, Beach? A little bit. Yeah. I was split between two homes, come from a mixed blended family. So my mom lived in like the Walnut Chino area. I went to high school out there for three years. And then uh, the spring of my junior year, I actually left living with my mom's house and moved in with my dad and his wife in Fountain Valley um, and started living there full time, transferred to Fountain Valley High School. 
And that's where I kind of lived out my the rest of my junior year, my senior year and beyond. Okay. Yeah. So, so like what was was what was Mary Jane like in high school? Was she kind of like I feel like you were like like I might have been a little scared of you, like you might have beat me up or something. <laughs> well, it's interesting because I think I think the people that know me from the walnut years, they know like a much more involved in school, like super wanting to please everybody kind of person. And then when I moved in with my dad, it was like, oh, I finally have freedom for the first time to express myself or be who I want. So it was definitely like red Dickies pants and yeah. Doc Martens yeah, and, yeah. you know, white A-frame shirts. <laughs> that might have been like a standard uniform. Okay. Me. Okay. Is that like, what kind of music is that? Is that Mary Jane listening to? Then? I listen to a lot of no effects. <laughs> okay. Lag wagon. Yeah. And all the, yeah, kind of pop punk. Yeah. Yeah. That's like pop punk, but not the... Not as much of the radio pop punk. Not Green Day. Kind of, right, right, right. It was a little, that was more the cooler. More the Huntington Beach. More, Real bad. It's bad music. But Well, yeah, it is really bad. I really actually, because I got to know some of that music from surf videos. Like, so that was in all, those bands were in all the surf yeah. movies. Better yeah. punks. Yeah, 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 exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, so. Yeah. <laughs> so was there like a little bit of anger that was kind of coming out in that oh, time too? Oh, for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I had a lot of stuff I was processing and I think anger was a really quick emotion to get to instead of, yeah, hurt, scared, those kinds of yeah. emotions. Um, but yeah, I felt like I finally had an environment where I had freedom to figure out who I was and it was very confusing for many years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so then, like, I actually kind of feel like Quentin would, I'm scared he'll beat me up today, um, even though it's his job to protect me. <laughs> sure. Quentin is Mary Jane's husband, who also yes, works here on staff yeah, at yeah. Calvary, which is super cool. Yeah. It is super cool. And I mean, I say that jokingly, but I could also see he was like, was he like a tough guy? You know, like, or was he into that? punk scene or what was he like yeah he was like bmx (laughs) a little bit more shaved head definitely a shaved head yeah he was before i met him he had done diving and wrestling in high school so he just anything that required spandex he was about (laughs) 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 i I say that to him i tease him that's amazing i love that um so yeah he was yeah kind of athletic jock and then okay. he got into BMX with yeah some of his friends and stuff. So that was more his scene. Okay. Okay. I like yeah. that BMX scene. So you met him when you moved to Fountain Valley? Yeah. So my first summer job, I started working at the Family Fun Center that was in Fountain Valley. It's now I used demolished to, By the way, rubble. I used to love that Family Fun Center. It had a really difficult mini golf course. It Two. Yeah. Yes. Two, two sides. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's where we met. He was already on staff there. And then uh, when I started on staff, I met him. And what was your jobs? I was like a cashier slash ride operator. It was very prestigious. I could operate the um, Ferris wheel, which what? was like you felt so powerful operating a Ferris. What's wheel. the training that goes into operating a Ferris? wheel? I, it's got to be minimal. 30 minutes. <laughs> 30 minutes. That makes me never want to go on a Ferris wheel again. Yeah, 15 minutes of watching, 15 minutes of somebody watching you, and then you're off to the What's races. What's the key thing about running a Ferris wheel? Balance. Balancing the weight. Oh, uh, really? Yeah. yeah. What about like how they, they go slow for a while, and then it goes fast, 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 and then it goes slow, slow, slow? Is that we like, can control that. Is that yeah, like it's a, a rhythm? It's a you... lever. Yeah. Okay. Just we want to mess with you. <laughs> slow it down. Okay. okay. <laughs> See if you get sick. Do you ever forget like a person up there? No. Never. Did it ever break down and you like couldn't get people out and you had to call somebody or whatever? It would break down, but there was like a release button that you could, yeah. They would just could. crawl out? How no, no, no. It like releases the gear and it can move. You can roll it One down. at a time. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Okay. It's, yeah. This isn't like, 
this isn't the Disneyland size Ferris no. wheel kind of situation. <laughs> it's like maybe 10 seats, you know, okay, 10 yeah. to 12 seats. I don't remember exactly. Um, but yeah, we met there. He, yeah. he was like, he was, yeah, running the bumper cars or bumper boats and go-karts. I was That's doing a prestigious job as well. Oh, they got into lots of mischief. Yeah. Yeah. Messing with the equipment and right. go-kart races after hours. All right. So you guys start dating or something, right? Or Yes. Yes. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> we started. So I was smitten with him, kind of love at first sight. Um, he took a little bit longer, but eventually he asked me out. We ended up going out on dates. And Wait, if you work at a family fun center... It seems like you couldn't go to the Family Fun Center for your date. That's like the go-to place for a first date. Like, <laughs> well, what do people at Family Fun I Center go? I think I could admit That's this so now, funny. but we would we would take our like tokens from the Family Fun Center in Fountain Valley yeah. and go to the one in Irvine. <gasps> oh, and they worked right because sister companies. Oh, so we wow. would just use them at the other park. <laughs> I'm, I'm typing an email. Typing yeah. an email right now to yeah. rat you Hewish out. To family, <laughs> Hewish family. I apologize. It was the Hewish Family Fun Center. Uh, so, okay. but okay. but now but now boomers. So it's like but, not yeah. even the same. It's people. not even. Do the you same. still have any tickets left over from those days? No, I I would bet that Quentin still has his keys to the arcade. I would guess <laughs> that he awesome. has his arcade game keys. <laughs> Wow. Just Amazing. a guess. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. Yeah. Little little side note. Yeah. So we, I mean, we fell in love pretty much right away. Um, he was a great guy, respectful, loving, all of those things. Um, we we were on again, off again in high school. I was actually just telling the story today. I think we broke up and got put together probably nine times mm-hmm. during that senior year of high school. Pretty which normal is, for high school. You know what we do, I guess. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. So everything was fine, and then actually. We were in the summer. He did not know, but I was pregnant. Mm -hmm. And this, like, I found out probably a few weeks before my high school graduation. So grad nights, all the closing parties, all of that. It was a surreal time. Did you tell anybody? No, no. Nobody. Not a best friend, not a parent. Not not a cousin. No one. Not a doctor. No one. But you took a test. Yeah, I took a test. And you just at 18 just carried 17. this info on you. Wow. Yeah, I just I didn't know how to bring it up. I didn't know how to start that conversation. I knew I would disappoint a ton of people and I'm a like habitual people pleaser, mm. recovering people pleaser. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was it was a I knew this is going to change everybody's lives. So how do you yeah, how do you start that? Um and then that summer you know, it was like I was trying to work up the guts to tell Quinn and start having that conversation. And I remember there was this moment where he said, like, oh, I'm kind of behind on units. I might not go back for my senior year of high school. And I was like, well, then I'm breaking up with you. That's it. And I just like walls up. Hmm. I'm not saying nothing. We're not going to date anymore. Oh, because he's a year younger. Like he's a school, actually a school, six weeks older, but I'm a I'm school a, year, a school grade. Yeah, whatever, I skipped younger. a grade. So yeah, okay, I'm okay. ahead of him in school. Oh, yeah. just like, yeah. So for him getting that news as he's like going into his going into year. his senior year of yeah. high school, yeah. about yeah. to turn 18. Yeah. 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 Okay. Um, so I was clearly not, you know, making wise decisions, but it was self-preservation trying mm-hmm. to just for sure. make sense of the crazy chaos that was happening. So we didn't date that whole summer as I was getting bigger and fatter and pregnant or um, I just kept hiding it. My the parents I lived with had no idea. I started my first semester of college, went through all of that overalls were in probably part of you too is if i verbalize this and it becomes more real in a sense too or 
Yeah. And in my mind, my mom, before I was born, placed a child for adoption. And so I'd kind of seen how that was for her and how her life worked out. And I thought, okay, that seems like a viable option for me. Mm -hmm. Um, I way in the beginning, it was, yeah, probably June or maybe even May, I went to Planned Parenthood just to ask questions because I wasn't sure what are my options and how do I navigate this and how do I get health care without my parents knowing? Like these were the real things that were in my 17-year-old mind. And um, I've told this story before, but I sat outside in my car of Planned Parenthood and I hadn't prayed in forever. And I just said, like, if you don't want me to go in, make me leave, Lord. It was the fleece. And he actually answered and my Mm -hmm. pager went off and my dad texted me to come home. Mm -hmm. And I just knew that God had clearly closed that door, that that was no longer going to be an option for me. So even though I was navigating it alone, I kind of had a game plan. Mm -hmm. I'm going to, yeah, take care of myself the best that I can. And then my plan was to finish my first semester of college and take the train to my grandmother in Colorado because she helped my mom navigate it. Mm-hmm. So I thought if I show up her doorstep huh. of all the people on the planet, she's going to love me right where I am mm-hmm. and know what to do. You know, mm-hmm. um, So I, my train was booked. I was going to be leaving December 20th. Right around now. Right around now. Yeah, it was going to be December 20th of 99. And um, December 15th. All these days are so clear in my mm-hmm. mind. My stepmom finally asked. She she had suspicions of my complaint of heartburn, the complaint of my clothes not fitting, of not asking for certain products for months and months. Uh-huh. And um, she finally, my dad was in the shower over breakfast, is eating peanut butter toast. And she just said, are you pregnant? And I just broke down in tears. Mm-hmm. And I said, I am. And that was the beginning of two weeks of absolute chaos. Mm-hmm. Because Patrick was born the 29th. So it was, it was nine days from when I was going to be in Colorado that he was born. Wow. Oh so at goodness. this point, Quentin still doesn't No know. clue. Yeah. December 15th. This is, it gets so crazy, you guys. So December yeah. 15th, that morning, my stepmom finds out. My dad gets out of the shower. We have the big blow up conversation. And their response was, you got to tell him. You got to call Quentin. You got to tell him. His 18th birthday was the next day. Oh, so his birthday is the 16th? Correct. Okay. So I was, in my mind, it's like, it's been eight and a half months. Can we give him his birthday? Can we just let him turn 18 before the whole world crashes down on him? Yeah, yeah. Um, My parents did not agree with that decision, so they called his dad and said, hey, I think we need to have a conversation. And my father-in-law's response is so great. He said, it sounds like they need to talk. Yes. You know? oh, yeah. Um, which, yeah, was really empowering. Uh, but yeah, he did not find out until December 15th, the day before his 18th birthday. And then the 29th, he was born. Wow. Wow. You kept that secret for the whole time? Eight and a half months. That's unbelievable. Mm-hmm. And... Um, yeah. I mean, all of my closest friends were hurt, offended, yeah, in yeah, shock. Like, yeah. how could, what are you doing? Yeah. And then not to mention all of the safety that could, all of the health issues right. that could have come up or gone wrong. Yeah. Um, ironically, at Fountain Valley High School, my last semester, I took a whole unit on child development and infant care. Mm. So it was like I was aware of the developmental process and 
what babies needed and how to, the moms needed to care for themselves. It was like, well, that was convenient. Yeah, 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 yeah. That yeah. Fresh. Mm-hmm. But yeah, just that, um, that season was really, really hard for yeah. all of us for different reasons, for my parents, for Quinn, for me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't mean to sound trite with this, but, um, do you relate to Mary in the, in the nativity story with some of the probably emotions that she felt of people questioning or her having to kind of keep this or, um, yeah, I think the more it's more of a, um, I don't know how people will respond to this news. Mm -hmm. I think that's the Uh part of her story I relate to Mm -hmm. most because she knew her story was ultimately good. Mm -hmm. But that fear of reaction, fear of judgment, fear of condemnation were Mm -hmm. all heavy on her mind. And I think Mm -hmm. that I relate to that. And I didn't know how people would respond um, to the news or to my decision to place the child. Was there a sense for those, I mean, it was only like two weeks or whatever of time between when you were public, let's say, and when, when he was born, but like, was there that sense of, was there some sort of sense of like relief almost that this news is out now? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, That I wasn't alone, that, um, people did love me in the midst and I doubted that completely, even from, you know, aunties and uncles and cousins, Mm -hmm. the, the whole family, I thought, black sheep labeled forever. It's Mm going to be kind of the end of my life, you know, my relational life. Um, And I'm pleased to say that was not the reaction of many, that Mm. so many were supportive. And for a a few of those days, my dad and stepmom were trying to rally supplies and let's try and raise the child. And, you know, really, Mm -hmm. my dad wanted to kind of be the hero and come alongside me and make Mm -hmm. it happen. And I just, I absolutely knew that it was going to be adoption, that that Mm -hmm. was what once that door closed at Planned Parenthood, it was like, clearly, mm-hmm. um, I want so much more for this child than I knew I could ever give him mm-hmm. at 17. And certainly, yeah, my Quinn, neither of us were in a position to provide or be mm-hmm. stable or any of that. Um, hmm. So how did you go about then finding like help to place, you know, to place who ends up being Patrick? For, yeah. You know? Um, yeah. Yeah. Again, uh, only God could write the story. It doesn't make practical sense. Um, as I said, I had some family members that were incredibly supportive of my decision. And one of them was my Aunt Barb. Love her to pieces. She lives mm-hmm. in Pennsylvania. She had gone to school with a gal who had recently adopted a daughter. And so she said, well, why don't, you know, you're considering adoption. Why don't you talk to this friend of mine who's gone through it and you could ask her your questions? Okay, went to a few agencies, looked through the books and books of amazing families that are just waiting to find their child. And I remember being so confused, so overwhelmed. There were limitations and restrictions I didn't understand. And it just felt so overwhelming. And I have the time, it's like the clock is ticking, right. two weeks mm-hmm. to figure this out. Um, so I took my aunt up on her offer and I called the friend. Her name was Lisa. And I just said, hey, like, here's my experience at these agencies. Here's what I'm confused about. And we talked for a while, and she said a phrase that has changed my life um, that I live by. And she said, there's no such thing as too much love for a child. Mm. So in whatever way you want to love your child, that's okay. Mm. And it's the first time any person had ever said those words to me Mm -hmm. that, like, I can love my kid and whatever that looks like, even though I'm choosing it to give him a different life. Um, So I hung up the phone and the voice of God spoke 
And it was just a simple phrase, why not her? Hmm. If this is the person who has this outlook, the phrase, why not her? I cried. I called Quinn. And, you know, he hadn't been a part of the conversation. He didn't hear the voice of God speak. And somehow in his gift of wisdom that I don't think he even realized he had Mm -hmm. at the time, he said, I'm going to trust whatever decision you make and I'm going to be all in with you. Mm -hmm. And he actually meant that, that he was giving me the right to decide Uh and that he was going to be all in with that decision. So I hung up with him and I called her back and I said, would you consider adopting this boy? And she cried and said, are you serious? And I cried and I said, I'm absolutely serious. Like, would you please come? (laughs) Um, And so she FedExed us overnight, their adoption packet from their agency Mm. because they had been in Mm. waiting for another child. And uh, that was it. It was sealed and done in my mind. Wow. Wow. Yeah, that is amazing. (laughs) So then, and by the way, I feel like I can hear Quentin saying that, like that, you know, Mm -hmm. he's very honorable, good man. Like I can hear him saying that. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that he recognized that like any more pressure on the situation would have been so much more than just pressure for me. Oh yeah. Um, that it would have brought up all kinds of insecurities and Mm. Uh, it was a very loving and generous thing that mm-hmm. after finding out the day before your 18th birthday to mm-hmm. a week later saying, I trust you to make the right decision mm-hmm. and I'll support you in that. Not just yeah. you make it, I'm out. Yeah. But you make the decision and I'm in. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Even while we weren't dating. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. interesting. Because it's, so again, okay, definitely, <laughs> definitely, there's no part of me that wants to compare you guys to Mary and Joseph. Okay, because like. We're not them. You're not them. I guarantee this you. This is not like. You know, whatever. But it is and Christmas time. It is. But well, it's just like the, that part, just after just thinking a lot about Joseph this last week and just that part of, of him, he yeah. he could have, after you not telling him for eight and a half months, Absolutely. he could have just been pissed and wrote you off and said, you know. He should have. Yeah. Get he out. Should I don't, have. I don't want any part of you or this or anything. Like mm-hmm. he, that's how he very much, yeah, within his rights, totally. could have responded in kind of in that way where Joseph didn't respond according to his rights, but according to, to grace. And, um, yeah. so anyway, it's just kind of cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then ironically, so <laughs> Patrick was born December 29th and Quentin and I reunified February 29th. It was leap day. Uh, uh, wow. So yeah. So you only have to do like a dating anniversary thing, like once every four years. We actually go to like the first one to when we first, first started okay, dating. Okay. We don't count all the nine breakups, the weird, you know, having a kid and placing it for adoption yeah, breakup, yeah, yeah. all of that. No, that makes sense. Uh, <laughs> all right. So what's your experience like, um, having, having the baby, having Patrick been like, is he sort of removed from you instantly? What is what is that sort yeah. of moment like? Um, shout out to St. Joseph's Hospital in Orange. Okay. They did a phenomenal job with our case. You know, we came in knowing that this was our dynamic, that um, the adoptive mom was going to be flying in to unify with the child. And um, yeah, they, they worked it out so that I had a labor room that was by myself. Hmm. Um, I chose, we talked about it and I said, when the baby is born, I don't want to hold him because I've wanted to be a mom since I was five. Mm -hmm. And I knew that that would be the end of adoption. (laughs) It would just, I couldn't have done it. I knew myself well enough to say, I need to put that bumper up for his safety and for mine. Um, and I, 
I don't regret that decision. I would have loved if Lisa could have been right there to grab him. Mm -hmm. Um, But the Mm -hmm. nurses did a great job taking care of him. And it was just a few hours later that Lisa was on the ground and at the hospital. Um, They sent me to recover in the cancer ward, which sounds horrible. (laughs) Yeah. Um, but it would have been much sense. worse to be yeah. around all, all those new moms and babies. Yeah. And it afforded um, two beds in the room. So Lisa actually spent the night in the mm. room with me. And we got to spend a lot of time oh, talking wow. and chatting. Um, oh, wow. And okay. that was really, really special for us. Is that that sounds rare to me? Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's I know there there's different philosophy. like people. Everybody has sort of a different preference or philosophy of how adoption should take place and yeah. open and closed and like totally. this, all that. Right. And it's like sort of whatever it's all good whatever people need right but um to be able to hang out like all night like that together and chatting is that sounds rare to me yeah yeah and know. as soon as soon as the baby was released the both of them left okay um, and got settled into like a residence inn in fountain valley okay uh, and that's where i saw patrick for the last time because i went and visited them just before they flew out oh, okay um so yeah once i recovered um yeah because he couldn't fly right away Potentially, right? It was he was just a few days old, okay. maybe five days old or mm-hmm. six when he flew back to Pennsylvania where okay. he grew up. Uh-huh. Yeah. And so you are like do you have any contact? How's this next? Because we're gonna tell yeah. some of the next chapter of the story. But um, <laughs> what's the in-between? Yeah. This was ninety so, nine. Yeah, December of ninety nine. Yeah, December of ninety nine. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um so we had an open adoption where yeah, they can contact us anytime. We could contact them anytime. And Lisa was so wise in saying, you tell me what you're ready for. If you want phone calls, let me know. If you want pictures, let me know. And I told her, like, I'm not going to be ready for a minute. Like, it was too hard. It was too fresh. And I, I knew that right away wasn't the time. Um, and I think he was just before a year old when I reached out for the first time and said, OK, give me an update. Give me some pictures. I'm yeah. I'm fine. Like I'm ready. <laughs> that sounds reasonable. I don't yeah, know. I'm, yeah. And so over the years, um, from the time he was born until the time he was 18, I would reach out a couple times mm-hmm. a year and just tell me an update. Mm-hmm. How are you guys doing? She'd send me pictures, stories of his friends he was growing up with, hobbies he was into. Um, there was only one time she called me and uh, he had had a pretty severe allergic reaction to peanuts. And she wanted mm. some more history on our mm-hmm. family, some mm. allergen history and, yeah. Um, yeah, autoimmune stuff. So we talked through all of that. That was the first time I ever heard his voice. He was mm. probably three or four years old. And he said, Mommy, Mommy, as he was, like, running up to her. And oh, I went, oh, I'm not, yeah, I don't yeah, know yeah. if I'm ready for phone calls now. Um, yeah. But she was very honoring and gracious in, again, just allowing me to love my kid as I wanted to. Mm-hmm. Um. So that was really cool. But then once Patrick, you know, and every email was, we're right here. We're all in. If ever he wants to talk, if ever he wants to meet, um, we stand with open arms and we're ready. Mm-hmm. And, you know, through these years, Quentin and I got stable and started attending here and eventually got married. So, like, we became a family. Right. And so then those updates were coming to us as it was just, it was a really, it was a sweet season. Mm-hmm. Um, but then once he turned 18, I didn't feel right having his mom report on him. Mm. I felt like as an adult, he could make the decision mm-hmm. to be in our lives or to update us himself. Mm-hmm. And so I closed that chapter and I said, you know, I'm not going to press for updates anymore. I'm going to let him go into his, an adult, his adulthood and just figure it out mm-hmm. for himself, trying to find peace 
mm-hmm. you know, with the hope that one day we could unify with him. Because quick question here in the midst of this. So you're getting these updates and you heard his voice when he was four or whatever. Right. But you never talked to him or were with him in person. Correct? Never, ever. Okay. Mm-mm. Just want to be Since clear Since he was three days yeah. old. Yeah. And then yeah. did he know that? You and Quentin got married and had eventually had had kids too, or yeah, I don't know at kids. what point he found all of that mm-hmm. out. If it was you know later as he was investigating a little bit more, if his mom was really forthright with that, I'm mm-hmm. I don't know what that story is. Mm-hmm. Um, but we were really open with Lisa and always gave her updates on us, sent them family pictures, yeah, told them the minute like she was one of the first people mm-hmm. I told when I was pregnant with our son Quentin. Um, yeah, because I don't want, I'd never wanted Patrick to miss out on what was happening on the other half of his, mm-hmm. of his family. And so, like, by the time he, you know, after he's 18 or, you know, I know now it's a little bit longer, yeah. but like, had you sort of given that up at some level? Or like what, you know, where, where's your heart in the sense of like... Do you want to put like an ongoing relationship Yeah, or like something? that you'd ever, ha- would have that or, I don't know. Where yeah, would- I don't think... I don't think that I ever gave up or got to a point where I was at peace with the idea of never knowing him. Uh But I think I got to a point of being at peace with him making that decision Mm -hmm. and just like I was resolved for his happiness and it was okay Mm -hmm. if that didn't reflect in my needs or my wants being met. So (laughs) I, um, yeah, that's okay. What's that? Okay, so then take us to that next chapter. (laughs) And when is this all going down? Yeah, so, you know, it's radio silence um, from the time he's 18 until this last summer. He's 21 and a half. And June 5th, um, I got a text message that changed my life. Hmm. And uh, it just said, hey, this is your son, Patrick, that you placed for adoption. And... I'd love to connect. Where were you when you got that text? Uh, I was at home. I was just doing laundry. It was me <laughs> and the kids. I think my husband had run an errand for um, his grandmother. and He wasn't home at the time. And I remember laugh crying really loudly. <laughs> like I didn't know you could sob and laugh hysterically at the same time. If you haven't experienced that, I, I hope that for you. Um and to the point where my kids came rushing in and hid behind a laundry basket and had this big debate. Is mom okay? I don't know. <laughs> do? She's crying. No, she's laughing. Like it was this big conversation for my boys. And I just said, I'm so happy. I'm so happy. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that you know our history. My husband missed out on everything. He wasn't a part of so much of the pregnancy and even I didn't share this, but his first reaction, that first phone call when he should have lambasted me and told me what a horrible human I was for hiding Mm. this from him, his first sentence was me. Can I see you? Mm. Can I see your belly? Like, so full of love. Um, So I was determined for him not to miss a moment of this good news that Patrick (laughs) was actually reaching out to us. So I called him right away and I said, what do I do? Like, do I text him back? Do I like, what do I do? And he said, don't make him wait for me to get home. Text him right now. And so I just texted back. We're elated. Mm -hmm. When can we talk? And within 20 minutes, we were on a video chat. Wow. Oh, wow. Yeah. So that day, didn't have any time to be nervous or anything, right? There was no nerves. I was so happy. Like this is the moment I've been waiting for forever. Yeah, twenty one and a half years. Um, and it was just remarkable to find a twenty one year old who 
is so generous with themselves that he was willing to reach out, to be Mm -hmm. vulnerable. And at first it was just him and I, and then Quinn came in and it was just the two of us talking with him. And we said, like, when you're ready, like, let us know. We'll, you know, introduce you to your brothers or Mm. great grandparents or whoever, whatever you want to know, like when you're ready. And he said, where are they? Let's do it. Like, let's go. Um, He has been all in Mm. since the moment we reconnected. And it like it's a fairy tale I couldn't have written. Mm -hmm. It's too good. It's too amazing Mm. um, that this is how God would turn the page in Mm. that story. Mm -hmm. Without like, obviously, and I already know you know to do this, but just like with telling the parts of his story that you, you know, you only feel like you have the right to tell, but like what made him reach out? Do you have any idea? Like what? I do. Cause okay, I yeah. asked, you know, <laughs> like for sure. Yeah. Um, and he was dating a girl at the time who was also placed for adoption and she had reunified uh, with her birth family and knew her siblings. Uh, yeah. And so when she was talking with him about that, he kind of said, oh, I have siblings. Mm-hmm. And she goes, well, what's holding you back? And he mm-hmm. goes, I don't know. And he texted <laughs> us. Oh, my goodness. Um, so really, it was just her asking the question him going, oh, yeah, I guess I don't have to. Almost giving him permission, right? Yeah. Yeah. And it was, I mean, he really wanted to honor his parents in things. And he reached out to us before consulting with them. And I think that was a really big challenge for him. And ultimately, when he told them, you know, that afternoon that Mm -hmm. he had reached out, they were so happy for all of us. Mm -hmm. They thought it was such good news. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, he he just got that prompting from his girlfriend, Mm -hmm. seeing her story kind of playing out and thought, okay, I do that. It's interesting where, you know, it's like, for adoptive children, it's like he's sort of carrying this like concern for his, the, you know, his parents now and for you guys. And it's like mm-hmm. so sweet. And it's like also so at some level, that's like a hard you could see where that would be a hard moment for him. So of like, hard. how do you handle that? And then but I love that he just was able to reach out and then get that quick text back of being just seeing where elated must have felt so good yeah. to him too. Right. Just yeah. so much grace in this whole story. Yeah. Isn't there? Just yeah. Jesus. It's <laughs> Jesus unbelievable yeah. at every moment. Like to think if I hadn't, if God hadn't spoken mm-hmm. way back when mm-hmm. at Planned Parenthood, what could have happened? Yeah. If God hadn't spoken when I was on the phone with Lisa, what could have happened? Yeah. yeah. Um, so his mercy mm-hmm. in this story is yeah. so evident. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he just keeps making it more beautiful. Yeah. So then, yeah, after that phone call, then Patrick and his mom ended up coming out here. Yeah. So um, we tried to make plans and they're like, well, what's the earliest we could come out? Could we come out the last week of July? And I was like, ooh, that's ooh, a little busy. BBS. <laughs> BBS week. Yep. That won't really work. So they, they came out. And not that everything stops for VBS, but you actually are in charge of VBS. I do quite a bit for VBS. So it's a busy week. It's better if I had some time and space and I had some time off after VBS too. So I knew that would be a good time. So he came out that first week of August, like right after VBS. And, um, we had, yeah, a day and a half with him, his mom, Lisa and his dad, John. Yeah. And, uh, I had never spoken to his dad. I'd never heard uh, his dad's voice. I'd only ever heard stories about him through my aunt or through Lisa. And boy, I fell in love with his parents mm-hmm. all over again, just mm-hmm. um, getting to sit with them and share stories and hear about Patrick growing up. And then what was really amazing was watching them recall in my boys what they saw in Patrick mm-hmm. in his youth. Mm-hmm. Um, because, you know, our two boys are 
full on just full blood brothers with Patrick. Mm, so right. their similarities are pretty obvious, mm. um, especially, yeah, my little Andrew. So uh, they were just cracking up at huh. mannerisms and behaviors that were similar. That must be so funny and yeah. weird. And I cool. can't like imagine what that. it was yeah. like yeah. for them. I mean, how yeah. wild is that? Yeah. Um, but we fell in love with them. They fell in love with, yeah, our boys. And it's like our family just expanded by a yeah. bunch. Um, we kind of let Patrick lead the charge. We said, like, what do you mm-hmm. want these two days to look like? Um, so the first day we met them at their hotel lobby and then all of the boys jumped in the pool mm-hmm. and uh, I got to visit with the parents. Mm-hmm. And then um, the second day he was here, we threw a bonfire and our local, this little bit of local family mm-hmm. came out and got to meet him. Mm-hmm. There were like four generations present. It's just crazy. Yeah, it's just cool. crazy. So. Oh. And then what's, so just what's going on in your heart through that whole time, that time in August? I mean, (laughs) it was a lot of emotions, of course. Um, I felt this like I couldn't get enough. I couldn't breathe deep enough or drink enough of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But having to like remind myself we have the rest of our lives Mm -hmm, now so Mm -hmm. it's okay that these two days feel pace ourselves (laughs) yeah Yeah. um yeah they feel condensed and then I had to be generous and share with people which Mm -hmm. was like maybe not what I would have chosen Um, I get that I'd be like my my daughter Grace like comes home from college 30 minutes away and comes home from you know comes home from college for two days and I'm like mad if somebody else wants to hang out with her sure so it's like right and that's just from that situation let alone yours I was trying really hard not to be selfish in that and just whatever he wanted making that happen um and I, I have to say, like, I, I video chatted with him yesterday. We oh, talk cool. every week. We text all the time. His family is a hockey family. We love hockey, which is amazing. So we text really each is. other and tease each other about penguins and ducks. And <laughs> it's just, it's really quite remarkable. And um, when, we, when we were visiting that first night, his parents brought matching penguins jerseys for all three of the boys so patrick and my two boys have matching malkin jerseys and so whenever the penguins play my boys put on their jerseys they would let's text patrick we have to show him we're wearing the jersey um so so they're i mean they're through the moon and i remember q2 he's like i have a big brother like he was so happy that he was no longer in that spot he didn't have to hold that alone so um, that's really cool we've talked about god's grace how else, like, how would you describe God through this whole process? You know, it's a it's a big question, right? But have you seen His nature, His character? He is ever present. And mm-hmm. um, there were times when I would have loved for Him to speak clearly, but He mm-hmm. waited until I could hear and respond in obedience. I mm-hmm. think. Um, so the patience of God for us to align uh, is something that's really evident in this story and then just the rich mercy mm-hmm. because none of this is deserved. Mm-hmm. Um, what I deserve mm-hmm. is not what I've received. Wow. Yeah. That's all of us. Yeah. <laughs> it really is. Yeah. And that's the beauty in this story. I think, right. Is that, mm-hmm. yeah, it's what's, I think as much as maybe a lot of it might be unrelatable for everyone listening, yeah. that's the part that's relatable, <laughs> sure. right? Like yeah. we all are excited with you and just in awe of the, of the way God works. But yeah. that is so cool that, yeah, we, none of us deserve. And then God gives us anyways, 
and grace. So much. And upon grace, upon grace. And mm-hmm. it's more, it's truly more than I could have asked or imagined. Because if mm-hmm. you would have asked me a year ago, okay, you're going to reunite with Patrick. What's the best that could look like? Mm-hmm. Maybe he calls twice a year. Mm-hmm. And like we get to exchange pictures and cards. Like that would be amazing. That would be beyond what I could ask or imagine. And God just was like, you're cute. <laughs> but yeah. I do so things that I didn't think were possible. Yeah. Like Ephesians 320. Yeah. yeah. He, Patrick being generous enough with himself to like text us and say, like when he first met the boys on screen that day, he texted us and said, I want to always be somebody they can look to. Mm. Um, I want to be dependable and reliable. Uh, and it's like, you're 21 years old yeah. and you're considering these small children, you're act, like your brothers and yeah. you're just stepping into that in fullness. I would have never written that. I couldn't mm-hmm. have imagined that. Sure. Or that he's so generous with himself. He'll text Quentin and say, hey, can I get your advice on something? Wow. What? You're. Yeah, I want my kids to do that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Patrick mentor my, yeah, my exactly. boys. Yeah. It's again, it's like I couldn't I couldn't have designed the story to end the way yeah. or to, to be where it is now. Um it's not that's not normal. Yeah. It's not normal that any of these steps huh. happened along the way. I'm curious with with God's mercy all over this and you really sharing this for his glory, right? Of course. Um in our newspapers Eric mentioned in our video last Sunday. Have you already, or do you anticipate people coming to you on either side, right? Like, Hey, I'm, I've been adopted. How would you recommend me approaching my bio parents or, or, Hey, I'm pregnant. How did you navigate? Have have you already had that? Or do you think that could even be a potential ministry for you? Or what do you think? I'm always open for conversations. So listeners, if you want to chat, I'm available. Um, But honestly, I've, I've had the opportunity to walk with a few moms Mm -hmm. and birth families um, as they've navigated those decisions. I've talked with other people who want a birth mom's perspective of Mm -hmm. what it might be like for their adopted child or for a dynamic that they're experiencing and just on Sunday, uh, hmm. a woman came up to me and said, hey, not a lot of people know this, but I'm a birth mom, too. Hmm. And here's what reunification has yeah. looked like for us. And wow. here's where you could pray. So, yeah. um, you know, I, I jokingly say, like, you know, this little light of mine, like hmm. hide it under a bushel. No, hmm. we should tell our stories. Yeah. We should say what God is doing, because that testimony it just is going to bring him glory. It's yeah. going to point to the reality of who he is and his love for us. Um, and like the the mercy and redemption on my life yeah. is, it's so evident in my story. There's no way yeah. um, I could have manufactured or designed this mm-hmm. to happen. <laughs> wow. That's great. Awesome. Yeah. It's super awesome. Wow. What about like, is there just any way that you're thinking of the people listening to this that aren't, you know, maybe they're not in one of those, you know, one of those life situations, but just anything you're like hoping they would get from your story. Oh gosh. Um, (laughs) I mean, on one hand, I would say parents try and create environments in your home where your kids can come out of hiding. Mm -hmm. Um, That's really important to me. Mm -hmm. It's a big platform in my own home and coming out of hiding is a big deal. And I think that's where healing can happen. God's grace can abound. Uh, So that's one piece for sure. The other is um, to try and listen for Mm -hmm. God's voice in Mm -hmm. the midst of the storms. Because 
I didn't have clarity or direction or any of those things. But when you know it's God's voice and he speaks, it it shifts everything. It gives you confidence to take the next step forward into the unknown or into the uncertain hmm. because he's called you there. And so clearly that next step is going to result in something next, whatever that is. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, trying to pay attention to God's voice. Yeah, that's cool. Hmm. That's good. Yeah, I, that's amazing. I agree. <laughs> this is one of my favorite podcasts ever. Yeah, it's so <laughs> and, good. And just thankful for sharing your story with us and with those that are listening. There's a, a sense of vulnerability and preciousness to it that um, it's just a privilege to be part of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's, it's an honor to share. All glory to God, for sure. Yeah, for mm-hmm. sure, for sure. So thank you. And I think I, I just, again, want to express, like Mary Jane's expressed this. I think she's expressed this before, but how available she is if you are in any position related to this story in any way, even if that's just not experiencing God's grace, let's say, or something, and you're not in any of these positions, but you don't, you know, you, you don't feel like you're in a place where you're experiencing that or something and to be able to like talk through it or, um, just ways that you can be responding to God, whatever your situation is and, and listening for what he would have you do or have you, or the kind of person he's shaping you to be. Mm. And, um, so I love that, but obviously, especially if you are someone who has, um, is, if you are pregnant and you were not planning on it. You should talk to Mary Jane if you have if you are a child or a person who has been adopted and you want to process through that or you're a, a parent who has adopted a child and you want to process through some of those things as well, even though Mary Jane hasn't necessarily done that part of it. But <laughs> she kind of knows that like, yeah, I'm in the world. Yeah, I'm in, in that, that world. world. And yeah. it, it truly is an honor to sit with people and. Yeah. yeah, pray for them and encourage mm-hmm. them in, mm-hmm. in their walk through this journey. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my wife B, she loves talking to people who are adopted as well. Um, so children or adult ch- or, you know, adult yeah. children who've been adopted. My wife was adopted um, at a young age um, and there's like parts that are great and there's parts that are hard. And yeah. there's all sorts of like ways that you can navigate that to be healthy and to be um, like sort of after, you know, that you're pursuing God in the midst of it as well. And like, even in the parts of it that are kind of jarring for you. Um, and so it's just like really important. I think there's people that would love to process that with you, whether that's MJ or B or whoever. Um, I think, I think what we've even seen in your story is how important that is to not, (laughs) it's not healthy to hide that. Don't go it alone. Don't go it alone. alone. Yeah. The Mm. support is critical and, and you'll receive love in these places. Like this is a place of love. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. We would definitely want to love and carry you through all of that. Um, so cool. Like, thanks MJ. Yes, absolutely. You're awesome. You are an amazing part of our community. We love you so much and just grateful to have you in leadership here. Uh, Matt Doan, how are you doing? You doing all right? I'm doing wonderful and happy birthday to your awesome husband this week as well. So probably the time this podcast comes out, it'll be his birthday. So he has to decide what to do for your 40th and you better decide really quickly what you're going to do for him. Yeah, his 40th, too. Oh, hey. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> He'll be in his hours. 40s for six weeks while I'm still in my 30s. <laughs> so you're oh, young juvenile. Yeah, nice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's great. So if you know Quentin Edwards, you can go ahead and send him a happy birthday text when you hear this. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe like an over the hill kind of reference or yes. something. <laughs> For him, but not for Mary Jane. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for that. I'm sure I will receive no texts now. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. I hope you actually don't. Oh, my gosh. I'm so sorry. All right. Well, thank you, MJ. And thank you for listening to the Calvary Life Podcast.
Thanks again for listening to the Calvary Life Podcast. If you'd like to share any of your thoughts, please reach out to us at podcast at calvarylife.org. You can find out more about the show on Instagram at Calvary Life or on our website at calvarylife.org slash podcast.